All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. My name's Kenneth Keeler, and I'm here with my co-host, Jerry J. White the Third. And this what episode, up, we're going deep. We're getting into the nitty-gritty, the thing that no one wants to talk about, money. Money in your For episode art. one, we're coming out hard. We're coming out hard. <laughs> going hard, talking about money connected to your art. And obviously, as everyone knows, if you listen to episode zero, Jerry and I are in the film industry, so for the sake of this conversation, a lot of it will be tailored towards that. But I think a lot of the aspects we speak about in this episode can apply to everyone. Um, there's and before a lot- we get started, I, I just want everybody to know, full disclosure, I am a full-time teacher too. So uh, so as we're talking about some of that stuff with money and everything, uh, I just want everybody to know that, that there is another side of it. Because I'm sure we'll get into some stuff where it's like, well, how can you afford to do that? Uh, exactly. And so as we keep talking through the money aspect of it, I think you're going to you're going to realize the other other sides of what we do and how we actually fund that art. There's a lot involved. Uh, full disclaimer, I am a full time cinematographer and it's a struggle and it has its ups and downs. And I think I think this will be a good episode. I'll dive into my journey a little bit uh, because yeah. you ended up. I don't want to say a safety. You switch careers, but you do have a comfort of your teaching career. And when you went through uh, that transition, I, I feel very, very fortunate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I still, absolutely. I still get to make movies every day. I just, uh, I, I help kids do it now. I help high schoolers do it. So no, um, for sure, which is fantastic. Um, I think the, I think what's interesting to me about our two different paths is when you became a teacher. That was when I was actually in my toughest time in my career because of COVID and everything, and moving to New York City, and so and I started teaching the week. California schools went online. I started yeah. on Monday. The next Monday, I was teaching out of this exact same office here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and that so was also about the t- well, year. nine months later, that's when I decided to like search Amazon for <laughs> part-time jobs. But we'll get into all that. Yeah, it's, yeah, we'll get into that. We've all had those. Yeah, everyone, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting career when you're an artist. We didn't wake up like this. <laughs> Not at all. No. So... Ooh, the tricky part is where do we begin? Because there's so many topics we could talk about. I mean, I think to maybe start off some of the most recent news, as we all know, WGA, the Writers Guild of America, as well, Writers Guild Association yeah, yeah. America? A, of America, uh, yeah. We'll cut that part out. Writers Guild of yeah. America <laughs> and SAG-AFTRA, Screen Actors Guild, they're both on strike at the same time. The first time... I think, don't quote me on this, yeah, like since the 60s. Uh, It's a big deal, and what they're fighting for is very important, Um, especially in this new age with streamers, which basically is the number one way that everyone consumes their... Let's just just call it what it is. It's not streaming anymore. That's our new TV. Yeah, yeah. It's a cable cable without a cable. Exactly. The, The new way that every single human, in some way, shape, or form, consumes visuals on their television whether that's movies or tv um with that there's also been a lot of conversation on social media between you know filmmaker friends artists there's a lot going on right now Um, i think a lot of people are talking about the money right now and there's like i I was just watching a thing this morning that was you know like it's like the most people striking at one time like in american history or, or close to it you know, since like the 30s and stuff like that. So it's, uh, I mean, it's happening every, I think UPS is about to go on strike because yeah, the they make like 40. Right? 
Yeah, next. they make like $40 an hour, but part-timers make like 16.50 and they're just like this is ridiculous. I mean, we're we're showing this this growth, this divide of, you know, the top part of people. Um, you know, that own these corporations that are publicly funded and uh, are, are publicly traded, not publicly funded. Mm-hmm. Excuse my my uh, mistake. Um, but and so, yeah, arguably people are uh, people are upset. No, absolutely. And and also too another thing, Jerry and I are not as- experts on this topic. We're strictly coming with these conversations that we'll have today from our own experience. And that's about it. I mean, there's definitely aspects that I don't know about it. There's some things we'll probably fact check later, but just full disclosure, neither of us are experts on the side of finance and art, but we've experienced it for at least a decade in our own careers and, you know, hearing other friends and conversations in the industry. So, you know, we're only going off of what we know. Yeah. And and Kenny, you're, you're a union cinematographer. Correct. Yeah. So, and like, and I was a SAG producer, like I've, I've produced SAG feature films. And so, um, so I've definitely had to deal with the paperwork and all, all of the things that kind of come with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I have, uh, I'll put this in quotes, sold two movies. Uh, uh, we'll talk about that at some point, the difference between distributors and aggregators. But um, I've kind of had also firsthand experience of not getting those residuals, not getting a portion of things, you know, even when people are telling me that it's been seen by, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. And you're like, well, there's no money. Uh, so one of us is being lied to. No, absolutely. I think to let's let's kick this off. Uh, so this is kind of the the main thing that sparked the idea for this episode. So a well-known cinematographer who does incredible work named Pat Sokola made a post on Instagram the other day. Uh, and I'll just go ahead and it's short. So I'll just go ahead and read it and we'll build off of that. So Pat posted the following. Someone sent me this today. I only post this because it seems relevant to our current situation. I believe I made as a cinematographer uh, around $1,500 to shoot the video and to give some backstory, what he posted was the Hills by the weekend, which is a song and a music video he shot reached 2 billion views on YouTube. Uh, he, he stated, I believe I made around 1500 bucks to shoot this video below scale. My crew members were squeezed on their deals, barely a budget for camera and lighting people donating gear for free, etc. Not a unique story, which he's correct. Based on what I can find, on average, an account like this would make around 0.18% per view. Sorry, zero, whatever, 0.018 cents. I think it was like 1.8 cents per Thank view. Thank you, 1.8 cents yeah. per view. Uh, that two equals billion. Yeah, that equals $36 million while trying to squeeze everyone on a $150,000 budget. $35 million profit off of initial investment, that's a 23,000% profit. No one who is involved in the actual making of this video sees any of this besides the label and the artist. So this was obviously posted, reposted all over from a ton of cinematographer friends and many other people. And it kind of sparked a question to myself, which is who deserves residuals? Uh, I mean, I have my own opinion, which I'll definitely let loose here, but I think it's it's a valid question the where it's like where where is the line drawn because for me regard okay to give a little information to people who may not be in the film industry the main people who make residuals on motion picture work especially mostly films and television are actors producers you know the studio 
chime a in. writer on TV. a writer thank you yeah, yeah. Uh, you know it's not it's a handful of people that are above the line that you know get a certain percentage based off of, of it, it changes per person but in a nutshell if reruns happen residuals are paid out if you know something is licensed to play somewhere residuals are paid out whatever profits are made on the film a percentage goes to that person based off of the and deal that's that they only made. yeah and that's only on tv and things like that so the Theaters, streaming thing television streaming is not playing it so youtube is not part of those streamers netflix correct. is not part of those streamers prime hulu the list goes on and on correct um but in the case of pat's situation where it's a music video although in the movie world and television yes no no one makes residuals from youtube but that's the main place of distribution for those music videos which is youtube or online so from that that main account let's just again he doesn't have exact numbers nor do we but in a nutshell well, i think like, a couple i think yesterday at this point we're we're tuesday july 18th i don't know when you're listening to this episode but yeah. um like i think it was yesterday he did find out like how much that website was actually making and i think it was less than the 36 million but it was still multi-million dollars in profit yeah so Regardless of the actual numbers, it's still a valid point of if you make help make content, who deserves to be, you know, who deserves to get a piece of the pie outside of your normal pay when to just be hired and make the, you know, do the job. Um, so let me ask you a question, Kenny, because as a like, you know, I'm not a cinematographer, but you, you know, you, you shot a feature for me. You've, you've, you've um, helped on shorts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, do you think that is there a breakdown of like, so say it's a $150,000 budget, I think, for this music video, which just is a lot of money. Yes. We all, we all agree it's a lot of money. $1,500 for a day of work. If you're listening to this, you're like, oh, that's a month of what I make. You know, it's a lot of money. Um, but if somebody makes now off my $1,500 worth of work makes $3 million, is there a point where I should be involved in the situation and get something back from that? So you as a cinematographer, do you think there should be, so say, you know, they make three times their profit. So they make 300% profit after Mm -hmm. that. Should I be involved in it? Or is it anything over the initial budget? Should I be involved in it? What do you think, um, because cinematographers aren't involved in that usually. No, Unless, I mean you could negotiate that for sure. Sure, it's not um, unheard of, but it's yeah. rare for cinematographers Wait. to get back in points or residuals. Yeah. So, what do you think would be the fair if you know? Because you you've worked on stuff that you know has had a hundred thousand dollar budget. Oh um, yeah. You're you're not getting uh, you're not getting a residual off of that, no matter what it makes. You don't know nope. how much it makes. No, uh, that's so, true. do you think after a certain percentage of profit? then there should be some profit sharing for the people to help create it. What do you, what do you think about that? It's tricky. So I'll start by stating this. I know, and again, I'm sure it's all, all of this is situational. It depends on the job, the contract, whatever. But let's just go to visual artists like cinematographers and photographers, right? You're, the difference between the two of us, which I've always found interesting, is photographers even though they're hired for a job, again, this could be contract based and I, I'm not a professional photographer, but just from friends I know, for the most part, they end up owning the rights to the photos that they take. And with that, they're paid a day rate and then some sort of licensing fee to use, you know, 
said photographs for whatever ad or magazine, whatever it is. Uh, again, that's probably not always the case because I've even done small photo jobs where like I've just, because it didn't make sense for me, I've, instead of licensing it, like they owned all the rights to it, which is fine. With cinematographers, it's opposite. We never own the rights to anything we shoot unless it's personal projects. So commercials, television, movies, all of that, the company that hires us as freelancers are the ones that own the, you know, the footage and product that we shoot. Yeah. So that is um, like, so that means that work for hire is what the contract a cinematographer is signing. Correct. Um, uh, that's interesting. Uh, but it, it does check out by, I think just by copyright law is why it happens. I remember like talking about this in college um, and, and I, and I shot something and found out that I had no rights to it. And they were like, Oh yeah. Like you didn't set up the scenario correct? Um, and you had no contract. So, you know, basically if you want to be able to own these things, you can never sign a work for hire contract. And almost every contract in the film industry has to be work for hire, or at least in my experience, because I, as the producer or whoever owns the copyright in the end, I have to have all these documents to be able to sell this product. Correct. Because fil film has so many people attached to it. A photographer, you know, it's like it's one single frame. There's no music. There's no dialogue. There's nothing written. It's just a frame. Um, so it's a little bit, let's say, simpler, I guess is the best yeah. way to put it. Um, and so that's why I think those two industries work a little bit differently. No, um, it makes that work, sense. That work for hire is very, very, like, if you see work for hire in a contract, any of you that are listening, that means you have no rights to any of this. Nothing yeah. on the back end, nothing anywhere. You're basically, you're coming to work, you're doing a job. You know, it's like working a nine to five. I don't own Apple because I come in here and sell Apple computers. Correct. I work, I work here. Um, so that's the, the same kind of thing. And you, like we talked before, you know, like the art versus commerce kind of thing it's like you feel like you're making art a lot of times you're just making something for somebody to buy mm -hmm. and and yeah it's like when do you decide those i remember having this like i, I think i talked about once with you of when we were trying to do low budget commercials like we were trying to shoot them right and people were going so low and it's like I can't do that unless you want to cut me in and be like, let's say we're doing a jeans commercial. Mm -hmm. If you want to give me 50 cents for every pair of jeans you sell for the next 10 years, then maybe I can do it for this price. But sure, which is unheard of. Like, in indefinitely. They're never going to sign that, but you're no. going to be able to use this indefinitely. You own it indefinitely, and I get nothing out of it moving forward. So if this turns you into a multi-billion dollar corporation or you go bust, I'm just not part of it. Right. Uh. And I mean, again, it's just to bring up, I only bring up the photographer side because it's always been interesting to me because there's obviously similarities in the fact that like, you know, photographer creates an image, cinematographer creates an image. Yes, the difference on our side in the motion picture world is there's many, 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 many other people that are involved in creating that image. But mm -hmm. in my opinion, you know, regardless of how many are on the crew, every person in some way, shape or form has you know, contributed to creating said product. Uh, Agreed. But to get back to your question, it's tricky because I don't know if there should be a cap of like, if it makes this percentage, we get that. Um, and I, I mean, re let me kind of rephrase it. Sure. The question, at what point would you get frustrated that you're not part of the profit sharing? Mm. How much does it need to make? But when you go, oh my God, why am I not getting any of that? 
Because I think that's where we're at with the like SAG and, and WGA is basically. So for those of you that are you know turning in and you're like, you know, I didn't even know anybody was upset. I just watch. I, I pay my 15 bucks. I watch my movies. Um, I, I think just keep in the back of your mind that to buy a movie used to be about 15 or 20 dollars. Now you have thousands of them. Mm-hmm. Somebody's not getting paid. <laughs> you can't right. just give everybody everything for 15 dollars. So the the business model was flawed. They're figuring that out. I digress. And just to um, point out, every yeah. time someone watches something, whether it's a show or a movie on a streaming platform, none of the actors or producers or writers are getting any sort of dollar value from every play that's Unless coming it's from only them. on YouTube. Like YouTube is paying people. No, correct. Um, but yeah. after a certain point, like you got to get enough subscribers. There are limits. Um, but these other streamers, there's no data, there's no information. They will not give you the information. They won't give it to their shareholders, and that's 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 why they're you know striking. But and with uh, YouTube, they're only paying if you're the one with the account monetizing yeah, whatever content. So it's not me. like if you yeah, put and then your I'd movie be, up, exactly. Yeah. You would yeah, still and have, then to I have to pay to be your kind actors. and go. And then so it'd be like, do, am I going to share the numbers with my crew? you know, and the people that help me make it. And so uh, greed plays a big thing. When you start getting that mm-hmm. kind of money, you know, especially in an industry that sometimes it's feast or famine, it is, um, yeah, I think it's, it's very interesting how it kind of plays out. Yeah. But to go back to the kind of question, to, to rephrase it to you, Kitty, um, at what point would you feel like you were owed something? Because I think that's where the, the writers and the actors are at. They're like, wait a second. We know these movies are like, they're on everything. You're using everything to sell your platform with my show. So people are clearly watching it, and it's right. home recognition, and I'm making 24 cents you know, on a residual check. And it's like, and you can look these up, everyone. And it's that's like not from these, streamers. Of, the 24 cents these, probably came from TV. <laughs> no, these are like the Netflix things. Like the yeah, like they like I mean there were some oranges the new black characters a couple of days ago like actors that were showing them on you know like TV and being like this is my check it's twenty four dollars and you could see all the different episodes they and were that doing. was from residuals from was Netflix? from residuals from Netflix so they're oh, paying see, I didn't residuals, know any of them but did they're residuals. but they're playing like pennies and so they're like it can't be that you're making record numbers of profit right and the profit margins are the biggest they've ever been but so like as a reference point. The SAG agreement that they're operating under has been there since we did the marriage counselor. That's how we did the marriage counselor, Kenny, was this same contract they're using. It's a new right. media contract. It's been finagled a little bit. What um, was that, 12 plus that years was ago? 20, yeah, 2012. Yeah. And, so, um, and so we made a web series a really long time ago, and, um, and basically, you know, this, this web, we did SAG, and people were able to get Top Hartley. It was a great way, and basically this was before – streaming was basically our tv streaming mm-hmm. was not what it is right now it's like you know some people were watching netflix at home but not very many they were usually right. doing the dvds and stuff you saw yeah, netflix have cable. existed but yeah it existed but basically sag was trying to get these studios to embrace like hey if you're going online you got to use our union talent here's here's something to make it a little bit easier so while you're experimenting they experimented for 10 years they've made hundreds of billions of dollars and they've given nobody any money so um, so yeah, so at what point do you think you would feel like, you know, you were kind of taken advantage? Like, is there, is there like a, a percentage? Is there a number or, you know, oh, man, it's so or is it just tough. situational? I think it's situational, which that's like the trickiest part of this whole career in filmmaking yeah. is like, there's no roadmap for any situation. Like one person's yeah. path is different than another. One person's contract is different than another. I mean, in the example of the weekend music video that Pat referenced, like, yeah, that would be frustrating to maybe possibly be lowballed on your rate. I mean, well, again, 
even if like for music videos, his DP rate was fair. I mean, like, like he mentioned, like the crew was getting pinched on their rates. Like they had to have ask favors for gear. It's like to then later find out that that project ended up making millions for someone would be really frustrating as opposed to, I think there's something different about like going into shooting a temple movie or working on that where like example, if we were all going to go work on a Marvel film, regardless of if the Marvel film is great or bad, you know, it's going to make a substantial profit. Yeah. And so like that's expected. And I'm not saying that maybe with the weekends music videos, it's not expected, but yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody expects two billion. That's a that's a that's a unfathomable, like that's a that's a number. That's a crazy number. That's yeah. But then the, then let's two just out go, of three people on the planet have seen that video. That's crazy. Yeah, true. But then like <laughs> I'm sure if you were to go do some research on like even like older music videos, yeah, those have probably hit certain numbers. Like yes, it's over an extended yeah. period of time. But I wonder if those because those would have originally been on TV. Like let's say like '90s music videos right. would have been on MTV and stuff. I wonder if those are. I wonder if they have to pay residuals to those people from contracts that were established when they did those. That'd be an interesting. I, I don't know. We'd be guessing at this point, but I wonder how that works. I'm curious. I'll fact check that myself because like I'd be curious back in like the prime time of MTV days what the contracts were for music videos, you know, they're, they're airing on TV. So it's a lot different than just going on YouTube yeah. where most music videos end up on YouTube or some sort of social media website at, you know, yeah. at this current day and age. But I don't know if I myself to, to finally answer your question. <laughs> I don't know if for me, there's a line of like, if it's this number, I feel like I deserve something. I, I think it comes down to a bigger question of who on the crew deserves to get residuals, which sounds so in my, if you want my honest opinion, I'll just end this right now. I do feel like, although this gets complicated, everyone in a certain way, shape or form should get a piece of the pie because without, whether you have Brad Pitt or not, Brad could give an incredible performance, but unless you have the crew that made the movie to make it that great, does it matter if that person is who they are? So when I don't you know. when you zoom yeah when you zoom out on that I mean like because what we're talking about right now is I mean it's the, the union aspect of it it's like are people getting par- fairly paid in the modern world I think we all agree that the answer is kind of no across the board. Um, we're still, you know, we're still not where we need to be. And, and luckily we're in a, you know, a a place, a country where we can just have this conversation. It's not something else. Like we're talking about something that we're, um, kind of fortunate to be able to talk about. Mm -hmm. But I think if you zoom out, then all unions, because I think whatever happens with this specific strike, because it's, it's a good amount of people. I think now it's like 170,000 people that are on strike in the motion picture industry. And before anybody goes, oh, well, they're just, they, they're greedy and whatever, effectively as soon as sag joined in all union is shut down so that means these grips we're talking about they no longer have work these electricians no longer have work all these union workers like even though they didn't go on strike they don't have any work anymore because there's no one to be on screen and there's also no one to write write a script and you can't and you can't act in it so unless you're doing tv like news news after uh, operates under sag after but it's a different thing because they're not written so it's a different contract so you'll see that the news is still on but those are union people they're just Mm -hmm. news anchors different union um 
So, but I think if you, whatever happens in this one, people will go like, okay, well, you know, I work, you know, in a factory. Do I get a portion of Amazon's profits? Uh, I work in this, I, you know, like being, you know, on the other side of it. And it's like, yeah, ideally in a modern world where we're all doing this, we would go back to, yeah, like the 20s and 30s where you had profit stake in the company. You sure. had, you were able to get, you know, shares. I don't think anybody's ever going to be like, hey, I need to stay on this forever and write you copies of checks for when this sells 50, 60 years in the future. I don't think that would be functional. I think no. we would all lose money in that one because you'd have to have accountants on indefinitely for these projects. Mm -hmm. um, but what you could do in these big things instead of maybe the residuals is like, hey, how about you just give me 10 shares of Netflix? How about you give me this? And it's like, so then I can at least profit in what you are profiting on. And it's like, I don't need you to give me it for this specific movie. But it's like, you have made $20 billion. I think my profit share could be a couple of shares of your stock. Like, that would, I think, help maybe. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, I'm not saying either of them are easy. But it's like, would you rather have stock or get a paycheck? I guess... Well, you could sell it. I mean, like, what's the share of yeah, Amazon true. right now? Yeah, $300, $400? It's like, you give me 10 of those, that's four grand. I can sell them. I can keep them. There's my, there's my residuals. Or I can keep it, and, and I can also keep growing in your growth. Sure. But, but to be like, you get nothing, here's 24 cents, is just like, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's No, insane. that's, that's crazy. I mean. That's insane. The stock one, I guess, for myself seems harder because it's like, okay, then after, let's just say, 10 years, it's like, how many people are you giving stock to, you know, like shares to? Uh, and then at a certain point, it's just like yeah. drowning out the market. But I think it's going to be like we talked about it right before we started recording. Um, you may have started recording. <laughs> you may have this. I don't remember. Secret, secret uh, recording. But we were talking about the like, – like as a reference point, like as a director, and I tell my students this all the time, I've directed three feature films in the last – what seven years um i've been on set for 30 days i've paid for most of them out of my pocket uh i've made zero dollars and so but it's like to be able to get those it's like i've only been on set for 30 days out of seven years to make those movies kenny you shoot a tv show or a movie you're on set for 20 maybe 40 50 days but then you might sit for six months until the mm -hmm. next job comes along and it's like so if in those six months, all of these episodes of this television show are rolling out, and now they're making, you know, buku bucks for whoever is rolling them out, and I'm sitting here unemployed and watching my stuff on TV and getting nothing from it. It's like, it just does, it doesn't sit right. Yeah. And it's and like, it, is it legally wrong? No. No, but ethically or but morally. Ethically, that's, then that's what we're having the conversation. It's right. The, I think it's the ethics and the morality of the film industry and just art versus commerce in general which since, you know, the beginning of history, everyone will say, like, well, we don't need actors, we don't need writers, and I urge you, if that's how you feel, to never, to throw your TV away, throw your laptop away, don't go to the movie theater, don't walk outside, because you're going to see pictures and movies and things everywhere. It's like, correct. we have art everywhere, and it cannot be free indefinitely. If it's free indefinitely, somebody is being taken advantage of. Right. And it's I think like the biggest difference, like, do it. like you mentioned, over like whatever, the Amazon worker getting stock or residuals, here's where for me the line is, is with Amazon, like, you're not the one who helps create Amazon, you're not the one who helped create the, pro the product being sold. What you're doing is you're working for the corporation who's distributing said product 
to the people from the people, yep. right? Where the film industry differs as opposed to just like, you know, and I'm not, you know, talking down on other industries or anything like that. It's just different. The difference where we come from is for the most part, uh, I mean, not every single job title on a crew, but we're coming, we're, we're contributing our creativity to like, in some aspect, we're helping create the final product. Agreed. No matter how small or large, you know, whether you're the actor or the gaffer who suggests we should put this light through this window. That's a creative choice that was given that then helps elevate that project. So in a way, it's like 50 to 100 people, depending on uh, or more, depending on the job, that are all helping create the product, which is said movie, music, video, television, series, commercial, whatever, whatever. So that's where it does get tricky. Cause it's like, you know, again, not every crew member, but at a certain point, like there's a, a high percentage of people working on these films or shows that are contributing some sort of their creative input that helps make the product better. And so I that's very much where agree. That's where it's like, yeah. so then does that person deserve residuals too? Because like, it's not sure the actors are, you know, up front and on screen. And yes, maybe they, I don't disagree that they deserve more because they're putting themselves out there and they're the ones like yeah. that are front, the face of it. They're yeah, the face you're of like it. you, you're the marketing and for sure those people, like if your name is on a billboard and at this point, just so everybody knows, you can be on a billboard as an actor and not be paid for that. Right. So that's, part of your contract of just like I can use your likeness indefinitely and that's happened for tons of actors like even people that are like one day behind the scenes people that they bump to like a featured whatever and now they're the face of the billboard I think this happened a couple years ago I don't remember what the TV show was Um, but he was like yeah I never got paid for any of that and I like you know I'm walking down Sunset Boulevard and my name's up on a billboard and you're like but it's cool let's be honest it's cool to see yourself like that Um, but it's also cool to be able to live and feed yourself and things like that. That one's pretty cool too. Yeah. Um, so Probably I think cooler. before we go any, before we go any deeper, um, everything we've been kind of talking about is, is from like the big budget side. So like the studios and this AMTPT, what I'd like to do now, Kenny is change it to people that are making these 50 to a hundred thousand dollar movies, you know, which is the world we're in, mm-hmm. you know, like as a reference, I think the biggest budget I've had is about $24,000 to make a feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and I'll be fully honest, my first one when I was 24 years old, I didn't get paid. Nobody got paid. Like we, you know, we, we, we paid for travel and all those kind of stuff and deferred pay. Um, and so, but we all agreed that that was because we wanted to make something. We were all young kids. Right. I would not do that now in my mid thirties. I'm not going to take advantage. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I don't um, think it was 20, necessarily taking advantage of it. It was like, you got a group of no, friends I, together I'm, with oh, the resources now you it have. Would be. Oh, like now sure. in, in, in my mid thirties and it's like, I'm an adult and I have a job and I have, you know, like, it's like, yeah. I need to come up with the money, uh, cause people need to be paid. It's like, and there are passion projects. You and I have worked together on stuff. Absolutely. We've helped out our friends and it's like, but we knew that that was something that wasn't going to make a lot of money. It was something that really somebody wanted to bring to life. And so these things, it's a lot of nuances to it. And I think that's where, where it gets a little sticky, but let's just be what we're talking about is these big studios. It's always for profit. They're not making art. They're making 
commerce. They're they're selling a product. I would argue that uh, it's it's yeah. a, it's split. The the commerce is obviously there because each movie is a business. But like yeah, there are artistic sides. You're still selling. Well, art. specifically the streamers, they're selling a. They're not really even selling an individual movie. I would argue they're selling their logo. They're selling Netflix. They need you to subscribe. They don't care if you ever watch the movie. They just need you to be there. Right. They need um, content to keep yeah, going. So and, yeah. Um, so and like if they have to put a movie in a movie theater, then they are then they go back to a traditional thing. So this is why like all of this stuff is very very complicated about all these contracts and how they work. Because um, mm-hmm. if you know if they're only streaming, it's a completely different contract than if they go to the you know to a movie theater and then go to streaming. Correct. Then they got to pay residual. Like they so they're just starting to skirt it. And we're back into like what we had in like the forties and stuff where we just have like these kind of like almost monopolies of like you're you're controlling every part of the pie. You have the writing, you have the distribution platforms, you have the, the exhibiting, um, and you know, that got broken up in, you know, early Hollywood because sure. Um, I mean, because we realized that there was no transparency. You had no clue what was going on. And so people start to get taken advantage of. But I'll also, I mean, I don't, I'd have to look this up, but from what I think I might know, <laughs> I think back in those days, they were also like, it was a different situation. They were, everyone was making a lot of money back then, regardless of the control from the studios or not. I think people were paying probably more, but everyone, I'm sure if, but... You, if you zoom out too, it's like somebody has always got to get, is always taking advantage. If you're that, if you're getting of that course. big. And so if you own the movie theater, the distribution outlet, you're editing it, you're writing it. You have, I mean, at that time, arguably we would say it was work because those people were under contract. They couldn't even go get work anywhere else. Right. Like if you were contract with Paramount, you had to work for Paramount and you had to do 10 movies before you could leave. So right. And again, like we're speaking yeah. very generalized here because like yeah, yeah. The, sh- the shittiest part about this industry is like there is no one path. There's no one contract. No. It's different for everyone. So Yeah, and it's and arguably not been great the whole like it's 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 gotten better if you zoom out. Yeah. Um from 100 years ago, but it's still got a long way to go and I think it's it's you know just the history of creativity as as a money-making aspect because it's so abstract of like I mean I mean I'm sure you like I mean to make money off your art is very difficult. And you have to, I think as a person, you have to decide what you're willing to deal with. And sometimes you're willing, I mean, I've, I worked on movies for free for three, four five weeks because I needed experience. Mm-hmm. And so that experience was like, now, you know, I could, I just basically equated it to like, I went to college and paid all this money because I needed some experience. I needed to learn that skill. It's like, I'm taking another class. And so were they taking advantage of me? If you zoom out and look at it, maybe. Right. Um, but there was something I was getting out of it. And so, and, and I think when it becomes that it's only one-sided in the give, that's, that's where we're at. I think that's why SAG and WGA are, are like this, because for those, you know, those people you see on billboards, there's hundreds of thousands of people that are not, and they're just barely making a living, creating what you are watching day in and day out nonstop. Right. And the it's people like there that is a non stop information like content. No, it's absolutely. And the people that you see where you're like, Oh, why do these A list actors need more money? It's not they're the top one percent. You have to yeah. there's a whole other industry below them that, like Jerry said, aren't making you know, a living wage. So that's the that's the conversation here. Like, yes, these you know, these A list celebrities, they make a lot of money. But they should, regardless of what money they make, they should still be getting residuals from all the streamers, which is the main source that people are watching all of their yeah. content on. 
So, and they have a high high risk, high reward job. At any point, they yeah, they're using their wrong in a press a in a press conference, and their career is over. You know, so it's like yeah, it's like a it's like an athlete. It makes sense to me um, why they make yeah. so much money because like yeah, I don't want to be it. Yeah, I don't want to go to the that. grocery store and yeah. get stopped. I don't want to be at no, dinner with my no. family and get stopped. Like yeah. your face is your brand, and so like it makes sense where those people are making so much money. And again, like, like we're not we're not going to watch a Netflix movie. We're going to watch Jennifer Lawrence in a Netflix movie or Brad Pitt in a Netflix. Right. It's like I'm not going to watch it because that in at the begin. I, it's like I'm going to watch it for somebody else that's in it. It's like I don't know like nobody. It's not like the old days where you like I got to go watch a Paramount picture. I got to go watch a Universal picture. Right. It was right. like they had very distinct styles of the kind of movies they were making. Now mm-hmm. they're just making whatever to keep you on their platform. Um, sure. And so it's. It's a uh, yeah. It's 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 a it's a complicated thing, and I think that you know we got to keep talking about it. That's why we wanted to talk about the money aspect today, and and how we actually how you can actually survive those kind of things because you know it can be feast or famine. Like you know, mm-hmm. I, both of us have been in there where it's like we haven't worked for three or four months, and it's like so we had to have other things. We had to you know maybe get a part time job. We had to do this. We had to. Um, I was actually I, I cleaned out. Uh, uh, I had all my boxes from Moondog from my first company, uh-huh. and now we're past seven years of that closing, so I shredded them all yesterday. Nice. But I was going through all these things, and there was there was some notebooks and stuff in there, um, and I found it really interesting. Like some of the things that were written in there about just like how I wanted to run a business and how I wanted hmm. to not do these things, and and you're like how it would be great if everybody could profit share, and I think at a fifty thousand dollar movie, everybody can. Because they could all work for basically minimum wage and then be like, every one of you is getting a certain percentage point based on whatever you did on this. Well, I Um, think that's... It still comes down to honesty of like, but but it's it's something. I think you bring up another good topic, which I do want to dive into. But I'm curious after sitting on it, because I really didn't give a valid answer. I want to ask the same question you asked me. Where do you think the line is? for a project like what percentage what dollar value do you feel it's necessary for you know whether you're a cinematographer director whatever where you should get a profit of let's just use the music video as an example is there a line for you that's clear yeah as a crew member like when i was being a gaffer or whatever um i don't think i really ever should participate in that um and I'll, i'll expand on why um I don't think I should participate in it because I was hired by the cinematographer. I was given a lot of input about visually what they wanted this. I'm just, I'm a worker, you know, like I'm a, I, I, there is some creativity to it, but for the most part, whenever I'm doing that job, uh, I'm helping somebody else bring their their project to life. Sure. But uh, I need to decide the creativity. Like, do you really think that you're not contributing anything? I'm just being devil's advocate I, here. Yeah, I don't think I'm contributing enough to get a portion on the back end. Yeah. I would love a I would love a world where that's there, but I don't I don't think because I was just I was working so much that I could care less. Like even just to keep up with all that stuff, it would it be great when I'm sitting at home and just get a check for a hundred bucks? Yeah, that would be cool. Um, but I also just know that that's probably pretty real unrealistic. Um, to, to quote Bob Iger when he called everybody unrealistic. Uh, yeah, but yeah. so uh, I think it's kind of unrealistic that they would like, cause I know the cost associated with that as a producer, like just to keep, like I just said, I just finally shredded a company. I closed seven years ago that I've had to keep all of this stuff organized and documented for seven years. It's like, it's just a lot of paperwork. And so to be able to do that, I don't know, but I also only took jobs that I was comfortable with the rate to begin with. 
So sure. I made sure that, that, like, I only said yes to the contracts. And to be fair, that put me in some bad financial decisions sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it was also allowed me a way to cut through the stuff that I didn't want to be part of, the people that I didn't want to work with. And that's, it's very difficult. But in doing that, I was able to, you know, to get through all of that. And then it was like, I was only making the number that I said, um, you know, like I, I remember some people saying, you know, like, Oh, Jerry won't like, this was at the very beginning. Um, and was just like, Oh, well, Jerry won't work for this price. So I don't even call him. And I was like, yeah, that's good. All right. I'm making what I say. Sure. You set a precedent for yourself of what you're worth, which I yeah, agree with. Like, and just like, yeah, because I am going to give you more. I agree that the creativity side, Kenny, like I, when I was a gaffer, I think I gave you creativity too. I wasn't just like moving stuff around. Right. It was like, I was like, how do you want, oh, okay, let's, let's, you know, like, how do you want this to feel? Where do you want it? Like, what's the motivation? What are we talking about here? Um, and so that's why I charged a little bit more. I was happy with that number though. Um, would it have been great to get residuals? Absolutely. On the director side, as a director, an indie director, I've probably made fifteen hundred, maybe two thousand dollars, and I've directed three features and a dozen short films. <laughs> I've made like no money directing. I've done almost all of it for free, and I put all the money back into the project. Mm-hmm. So because I wanted to look better, I wanted to sound better, I wanted to be better, and it's like I'd rather do that than make five hundred bucks for this day of work because I'm, you know, the the journey I'm on is twenty, thirty years down the road. I'm down. You know, I'm way down there. I'm trying to set up for that. The gaffing was what I made my money on, and then I could do my things over here. So, but for the directing thing, yeah, I think I would literally make a contract with people, and after it grossed more than double what the budget was, two times the budget, because usually these are like five or ten thousand dollar things. Mm-hmm. You know, like after it made that, you owed me my full rate, which was like thirty five hundred dollars a day. But was that you working for deferment, or you got paid something? It just depends. Either way, if it was below what my rate was at that time, basically after your project made this much money, I want my full money back. Mm. And so that gave you the opportunity. Yeah, I'll work for two or three hundred dollars. That's fine. I want to help you bring this to life. But if you make twenty five thousand dollars off this, I want my seven grand. Sure. Which I thought was fair. And most people would sign it immediately because they're like, oh, if I make fifty thousand dollars. I'll gladly give you $5,000 of it or whatever. Right. You know, so it was like 10% usually was what it was. It's like, I want 10% of whatever the budget is. So if the budget's $500, I'll take 50. You know, if it's 5,000, I want 500. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, what do you have? And then basically after the, these, but that's what my contract would say. And I wrote them myself. So, you know, like I, cause I do think that you deserve like, cause without me literally giving you, all this expertise, all this knowledge, helping you out, sometimes providing equipment, like it just wouldn't come to life. And I think that, you know, yes, I think I am owed something in the end if this makes your dream come true. But let me pause there because I think you bring up a valid point. However, my goal here is to stir the pot. (laughs) Yes, stir it. Uh, So I'm going to stir it. So you said you think as a director you bring, you know, X, Y, and Z to the table. Mm Do you feel that your mindset is like, yeah, I deserve this percentage of residuals at this point because of, you know, X, Y, and Z, because the industry says directors should make residuals, but they don't say the gaffers should, because in my opinion, the gaffers are sometimes also bringing the same thing to the DPs. 
So well, there's sometimes there's a so gap where I've been the cinematographer, Kenny. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So, but, uh, so that's where my argument is. is like when you when you made that um, comment, I was like, well, who's to say that the gaffer's not bringing the same things in different department? But is it? Do we feel like the gaffer shouldn't make residuals just because the industry has set a precedent for, you know? That they I don't, don't. I don't know if it. And, I don't know if it's that. Like we we talked about. You know, we talked about an indie film. The the one I love is the Duplass Brothers. And if I, you know, I'll, I'll, we could double check this as well. But if I remember correctly, I, I talking to somebody that worked on that, and they basically everybody got points. Like so, they all worked for basically whatever the minimum wage was for that budget. Um, and they they all worked for that. And and sometimes people they have a bunch of names for it. You know, for like, people that don't like, know, can you explain points? Yeah, so points are on the back end of a project, so which I've done before too. I even did it on my first film, where it's like you're going to get a certain amount of percentage points of whatever profit this makes. So that's mm-hmm. the profit sharing part of it. Um, and keeping in mind that I, as the producer, um, you know, I'm going to keep 50% of it, and basically I'm going to split the other 50% with everybody. The film we just did, Seize the Carp, we did that for $7,000. You know, Kenny and I paid for it out of our pocket. Uh, my wife was in it, so you know she came on for like a hundred bucks, you know, and then we we paid the other actor, you know, a full week's rate. Right. And but in doing that, what we did is all the contracts too. We took that whole hundred percent between the four of us, and based on you know whatever how many days you were involved and stuff, we we came up with the calculation and was like, here's the amount of points you're going to get on the back end. Mm-hmm. If it ever makes money, I want to make sure you make some money. Yeah. But we also knew that it was a seven thousand dollar movie, and the chances of it making money are zero. And so we were doing it because it was something we really wanted to make. It was the art versus commerce. We Mm -hmm. really wanted to make this movie. We knew we realistically could only do it at this budget because nobody was going to give us any money. It was the art side for us. It It was the the commerce side. side. Yeah. So, and that's what I'm saying. If you want to work for free with your friends and you feel comfortable in that, I think it's the best way to do it. Um, And so keep it small, keep it intimate and work together. Um, But the, the one I love and and I didn't work on the project. I just remember working with somebody that did when it came out ten years ago or eight years, nine years ago. And basically, they had percentage points. Spoiler alert: that movie made some money. It got sold. I think it went to Sundance. It made some money, and so they all got to share in the profit. You know, so they might get three or four thousand dollars in the back. Do you know if it was like equal that. profit? It, no, it was based on what your position was. Okay. So everybody was got at least I think like one percent or whatever. Sure. Um, and then depending on what it was, and if you got a full rate, you didn't get any points. Like on the horror, we gave actors like we gave actors the opportunity either to make the minimum for the week, or they could take percentage points. And most of them took the percentage points because they were like, oh, five hundred bucks is not really that much, but if it makes some money, I might make some more. But don't you, you think know? they should get both? Um, in my scenario, at twenty-four years old, I couldn't well, offer both. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if I yeah now yes, I think you deserve a, like if you're taking basically what is you know minimum wage then yeah i think that you should if i make money on this after a certain threshold i'm going to give you some of it back because but to be fair i'm the one that's going to be doing all the distribution i'm going to be the one that's doing all the marketing so i'm going to have a lot more invested in it by the end time wise um but yeah but i do believe you without you i wouldn't have the product like i wouldn't have this movie without all the people that worked on it i'd just be basically telling you about it right now and being like it's not made so it's it's just a it's I think it's a tough thing, but I don't know if it has anything to do with like societally why I see that. I just see one a little bit more as uh and I mean it might be might be wrong. Um 
you know, we're, we're all wrong at some point in our lives. Sure. But I, I think that maybe that we just, I, I don't know, I guess from the, I'm, I have my producer hat on right now and I'm just like, how would I facilitate that f- indefinitely? Like, how would I be like, you know, this movie's going to make money because once a movie is made, it can make money. You know, none of my movies have made any money, but maybe in my 50s, something pops and now all these all right. movies make money. I don't like, but I, I'm trying to think as a producer how I would keep that going as, especially as like a low budget person. As you like say, me. on a larger I, scale, like Star Wars, yes. if, if the, I'm the studio and people, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Disney or, needs to keep paying people. Yeah, Lucas films <laughs> is still, you know, yes, I think, yeah, if, you, that, if you're, if you're, if you're traded on the stock market, you can figure it out. Like me in this in a home office, you know, like trying to make my movies with my friends and things like that, and these small units that I do, which is like, you know, the biggest movie I've made's maybe had twenty people on it, mm-hmm. and so I make them very small. But, um, but yeah, I don't I don't know if it's just because I've been told that, um, like you were saying, or it's well, uh, it's not necessarily but, you've been told that, but like it's the the society or the society the the industry itself, I think, is like set precedents for so long that like that's become the norm. So yeah. you know these people don't get this, these people get this, whatever. And so I guess it's like breaking the cycle, right? Like almost like a generational yeah. thing. It's like is the only reason we feel this crew member doesn't deserve this is just because the over the decades of this industry that's what they've told us. Well, well, or the, the breaking the cycle the thing that you're saying or is it because, you know, is it because over the years the industry has told us this is how it should be just based off of people saying whatever, not saying, just saying being yes men and going with it? Or is it just because you feel personally that that's the, I don't know, I just think it's an interesting topic. I think it's I don't humans, know if that makes make, sense, but. Yeah, a little bit. I think as humans and even taking the art out of the equation, I think as humans we make whatever the best decision is possible at the time that it's presented with the information we currently have. Right. And if the more information you can have, the more knowledge you can have. And I think that's why we wanted to start this podcast was just for that. So we could have these conversations. You could learn from our mistakes um, or you could learn from things that we've, you know, somehow gotten ourselves into and then how we got out of it or how we got through it, I think is a better way um, that I think you have to make the decision that's right for you at the time there was a time yeah. in my life where it was okay to work for a big budget company and not get paid anything. Cause I wanted to see how that world operated. I was going in there. They weren't paying me money, but I was, you know, my eyes were wide open. I was seeing everything that was going on. Um, and I wanted to see how it worked. And that was the money to me. That was the, the I was getting something out of there it. Was it, wasn't like I was just there. it was, there was a value to it. So I don't want to discourage people from, you know, if there is something out there that is free that you go, oh, my God, this is an incredible story. I got to be part of it no matter what it is. And sometimes that's providing something for it. I've directed short films where they haven't had any money for cameras. And I'm like, I will give you my camera for free. I believe in your project. And I think that's I'm, on a low have, budget realm. That's on a low budget thing. But yeah. I think even at the big budget things, there are some times when people just need some kind of knowledge of how that operates. Like if I was a director right now and I'd never directed a big budget, like I wouldn't do a full movie, of course, for $100 million for free. Um, but like if there was a huge commercial or something and it was like two days, who knows? I might just to see what it is, like to see what that world is. There but might would you be some shadow kind of, someone or would you work? I don't know if I would just shadow for free, no. 
but I might direct it. I don't know. I, I'd have to be in that specific situation at that specific time, even though I know I'm being not paid, but I am getting something. So I think as long as you're getting something, it's not just a one-sided avenue of like what you're getting. Um, and that's why, because I think people are going to listen and they're like, well, why would you take that job if they're not paying you? Why would you do this? And I think in an artistic world, there are a lot of times where you just have to get the information. And it's like, it's either going to cost you money or time. And right mm-hmm. now I have the time to go spend a day to sacrifice, you know, $300 of what it should be that I'm getting paid or whatever your number is at that point in your life. And now I have that information. I gave up one day and I got it as opposed to weeks of researching it. Like now yeah. I had it in 12 hours. Okay. I'm not going to do that again. That when I, I mean, early in my career, I worked for free and then people would keep calling me and was like, no, that was a one-time thing, my friend. That was right. I <laughs> no, think you got to set boundaries, but you got to set the boundaries. Absolutely. Um, so I think you just have to like, we're all making the best decision we can with the information we currently have. And it, at some point in your life, you are going to work for free. And I don't think, I don't care what business it is. You're going to do something at some point for free. That is your work. Like whatever your skill set is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just have to make sure that it's something you feel either passionate about or you want to help somebody or you want to give back. And, and I think you have to do it without expecting things in return. There are times I've helped people out and, you know, it wasn't like they even really thanked me. And you're like, right. oh, that kind of sucked. Um, it's like, I, I, you know, I spent my entire weekend with you. Um, and so, but it's like, but you decide, I decided to do that. They didn't force me to do it. I wanted to do right. it to help them. So it like how they respond to it is not for me to decide. If you um, do that on the film level, yes, you should have no expectations, but yeah, it's just cause it's going to be a long thing too. You may never see it. Right. Uh, I think you bring that, up that, an in- interesting summer. point. Cause like, although we've been very like film industry heavy because that's the industry we know the most, but like. Let's just generalize it to art in general. I, yep. Let's just say I'm a painter. I've painted for years. I'm not half bad at it. I don't get paid to paint. Let's just say, again, let's just say I'm not a, you know, a painter that is doing commissions or selling artwork or whatever, right? You're making this art for yourself. You're being yep. creative for whatever your outlet is and why ever, or you just enjoy it fine. So like on that front, I think, I think there, there's a, basically what I'm getting at is like, there's a fine line between like, there is art for commerce, which is what we've been talking about heavily for most of the, sh- the show. But then there's also creative outlets that you should do for yourself that don't require oh, 100% agree that don't require getting paid, or maybe you don't get paid for them until later. Great example. There's many famous artists where they were unknown and nobody until they died. And then all of a sudden, I mean, great example, uh, Vivian Marr, the photographer. Yeah, Vivian Marr is great. Yeah, uh, yeah, it took Vivian Marr. Did I say that? Meyer, yeah. Okay. Uh, It took one random kid to go to a freaking garage sale or whatever and find a box of her stuff. And because of him, he made her who she was. But she has no idea, sadly, because she's passed, that her hobby or obsession or whatever you want to call it is now famous yeah, yeah, and she's a well-known a photographer. Yeah. I, sh- I show the students it's called finding Vivian Meyer and it has a really actually interesting ethical kind of thing inside of it with that because she, she kind of hit it on purpose. She didn't want anybody to see it. And then he put it all out there. So at the end, like I talk with the students about like the moral, like should he have put it out there? Cause it's like some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen. Like her street photography is incredible. It's incredible. 
Um, and so, but she just never showed it to anybody. And it might've been cause she didn't feel comfortable. And like, I think a lot of us, you know, like showing our work, that's uncomfortable. What if nobody likes it? But I think you brought up a good point and we've been talking about that a lot. Um, over the last couple of weeks is like, you've got to be making it for yourself too. You got to have something that you're making for yourself. Cause I think that's when you get bitter. That's when you get upset. That's when you get angry is you're not mm. making anything for you. You're only making stuff for other people. And if we're only making stuff for other people, as opposed to trying to like creatively express from us, then it's like, why are, why are we even doing it anymore? Now it becomes a job. And so I don't want to diminish anything that I know we have to make a living. And so, um, of course. but like you but were I think saying, you can find my, balance of like, yeah, okay, but, but, these but things are lateral, the job. This one's the creative. Sometimes they're yeah. mixed. There's no one yeah. path, but yeah. But my, like you were saying the, the lateral movement, it's like, I am a full-time teacher now. I get to teach people how to make movies, but in doing that, I became much more uh, experimental. I became much more like I'm trying more things because with a student that doesn't know the rules, I'm able to try everything. Like we're able to experiment and try these things and stumble on stuff. And, um, and so sometimes I think we get so honed in that we are like, we're only focusing on our craft. And I did that for so long where it's like just tunnel vision. Like mm-hmm. this is where I'm, I'm trying to get to the end. I'm trying to get to here. And it's like the whole time, if I would have just opened it up, there were like so many other opportunities out there. And like, I would have never thought in my wildest dreams, I'd be teaching full time for now four years and about to start a program. And like, that was never on the radar, even though, uh, I don't know if Tristan will ever listen to this, but the cinematographer in the first two movies, he always joked, he's like, yeah, you'll eventually make like a, you know, like filmmaking tips with Jerry on 57 VHS or whatever. He made like a big joke about it. But uh, so I, I just, I think if you, if you open up those blinders, get outside, experience things, go to those dinners, have fun and try to find something out there. It's like all the stories are out there for you, but if you get that tunnel vision and you only worry about, like, I'm going to be a famous actor, I'm going to be a famous director, like you were saying, a famous artist, a photographer, whatever it's going to be, then it's very, very difficult, and it becomes very hard because you're not experiencing anything else that everybody else is experiencing. So now it's even more difficult to communicate your perspective of everything that's happening to everybody. And so, or you're doing, yeah, or you're just doing it for the wrong reasons. Like, and I don't, yeah, I mean, that might be your right reason. Some people, we know some artists that are super intense and they go full force. And I thought for a long time, that's what I thought I needed to be, to be an artist. I've realized Mm -hmm. when I'm experimenting and trying to develop super eight at home or, you know, printing or whatever I'm doing or, and that I'm just like looking at light and watching the sunset in the room and seeing how it falls on things. It's like all that stuff now is in my visual vocabulary. When we go to make a movie and I'm like, I want this to look like my living room did that one day when we were sitting there, you know, having dinner and you go, Oh yeah. Remember that? And this, and then, so we can like, we can start to bond and we can start to, to make something. And, and I know you have to make money. Um, and sometimes it frees you up if you, you go make some money still using your art form, but then just make your art for you. And right. if, or and, and you, it's like, like you said, like you can make money in a different outlet and still yeah. make your art. And then on the back end, if you end up making money off your art, good for you. But your main goal wasn't to make a profit. Your main goal is to make an art and express yourself in a certain way because it's something you're passionate about and whatever, or you needed to explore something or, or all of that. So I don't think there's anything wrong with having a goal of making money, but no. I don't know if that well, I have a question for you. Um, cause we're, we're coming right to the end. So maybe we can ask each other this question, which I think yeah. is a, a fairly good way to end it. 
um, because we've talked about it a lot um, and uh, about what success is and like, like what makes you successful in these industries and stuff like that. Um, But what, what you just brought up, it's like, what was your goal? Like when you said, I'm going to be a full time artist, what was the goal? It's changed a lot over the years. It's, it's not. <laughs> like, and, and it's I, like I, you, yeah. yeah, and I think you're it's older. You're not. Changing. You're not 19 anymore. That makes sense that it would change. Yeah, I think so. Early on, success to me was like, oh, I'm going to be a cinematographer that shoots these bigger movies and these bigger commercials and all that stuff. Like that was the earlier goal of like, oh, when I'm on these types of projects, this caliber of projects, that's when I made it. Um, and I think I held on to that way longer than I should have. Uh, because now it's complete opposite. I got to a point where now for me, if I can enjoy myself, work with people that I enjoy being around for so many hours and love and also challenge myself and still do my craft, but make a comfortable living. I don't, that's all I care about right now. If I can support my family and have fun doing what I'm doing, that's success to me. If I get to those other goals of, shooting certain you know obviously i have high dreams and hopes and and whatever but if i get to those cool that's icing on the cake if i get to shoot a massive movie awesome if i shoot whatever it is like everyone's got a different thing then great but that's not the main definition of success for me is by getting to that destination like for me now it's the journey which i've shifted heavily is if i can have a great time doing something that I love, even on days, I'm not saying every day is easy or every day is enjoyable. Sometimes there's really hard days and it's whatever. But at the end of the day, it's the journey that's fun. It's the people that I'm on this journey with. And it's the fact that I can comfortably support myself doing the thing that I enjoy. That's success to me. And that wasn't, honestly, that didn't shift until the last like four years. I am like like Kenny we've been friends now for like 10 years it's crazy that we're 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 like hey we're gonna start this show um which I love because we usually just talk like this for hours and um yeah this is our normal this is our normal (laughs) just hangouts especially well this is a much shorter version of our hangouts but oh yeah um, we go for like three hours but no one wants to listen to that Uh, (laughs) we're giving you a much more consolidated version yeah uh but I think that then because we usually talk about this afterwards and we're like oh we were talking about this and this and this and we started to realize that you know, there were some things that they're like, oh, nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about that. And I think the reason we, when we were talking about it is because if you talk about it and if you're not interested in the journey, you're only interested in the end result, why would I give you any of this information of how I'm getting there? I want to keep you two steps behind me so you don't take it from me. But if you then open that net up a little bit and you go, oh, it's about the journey. And if I walk over here and I take this two-mile path and then come back here, I'm going to have so much more information than the person that walked in a straight line. Sure. You know, but so, I'll also argue if someone makes it to the peak of the mountain before me, awesome. I don't care. That's <laughs> yeah, great. it's like congratulations. Like, because I could, climb the pe- I could climb to the top of the mountain tomorrow or in a week or whatever. It's yeah, like, like we're all on our kind of own individual yeah. journeys. Um, and, and I love that you said that. Like, it's, it's, like I feel 100% the same. It's my goal... Uh, hasn't changed. Like I even found these notebooks and was like, holy crap, this has not changed since I moved out here in 2010. I said, my goal was to, to just be able to make art and make a living. That was it. 
And it was just like, I don't care if I'm famous. I don't care if I'm rich. I don't care if this. It's just like, and then reading those and being like, my journals, you know, from 2010 when I moved out here and was just like, oh, well, I have a, a third, $37 left in the bank. We'll see how next month goes. And you're like, sure. it's, and it's like, yeah, but it just was like, it was that journey and that process. And I just stuck with it. And I think if you just stick with it, then it keeps moving and moving and moving. But just to everybody right now, like you're right where you're supposed to be. Yeah. It's like you cannot speed it up. And when you start to speed it up, it, that's when it like really spirals out. Like you're just where you need to well, be. Well, that's when you'll drive yourself crazy. Cause like, yeah. at least I can only speak from my personal experience. Like there was a point where, because I wanted a certain something or a certain level of success as a cinematographer so badly, I was grasping this thing or putting this thing on a pedestal so badly that in some weird way, I feel like it actually got in the way of me just making the best work and putting my all into projects because I was, I wasn't going at it with the right intentions. I was trying to become someone else, even if that person is deacons or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, instead of just doing and doing the thing and going through the process and going through the journey and again, having the goals and the benchmarks is fine, but not making those benchmarks and goals control you like be yeah, fine. If you to miss experiment. them. You miss them. Like, right. I, I think be okay. in, that, in that failure, you're going to learn so much and don't be afraid um, to fail. Like, yeah, that that's one. If this whole podcast, I could just talk about like, don't be afraid to fail because there again. Yeah. And like, I, I really do think it's I like tell all it's my a, kids that all the time. Yeah. It's a stereotype. There's a lot of stereotypes in this industry of like, Again, I've mentioned this before and I'll probably mention it every freaking episode of like, you're only as good as your, your last, you know, job or whatever, which I don't think is true. It's like, just because uh, take it out of the film industry, just because one photograph or one painting or drawing or song is not as good as another. So you're not an artist or you're not a good artist. I don't think that's fair because I think you should explore and push yourself. And when you fail and something doesn't work, that only makes you a better, more wiser artist that you can, you know, take that yeah. knowledge and build on top of it. So, and, and again, it's like going back to like the commerce art thing. It's like, there's nothing the, the all of what we're talking about is there's such gray areas. It's like, there's nothing wrong with doing art for money, but then I also think you should have that balance of doing art for yourself. And if that makes money later, good for you. If it doesn't, who cares? The goal shouldn't have been to, make money like you should just enjoy and put out what you feel is right and then hopefully those things catch and if they do cool you'll have a side career or whatever passive income or maybe it's your main career depends on where you're at or what art form you do or it's not it just fulfills you in another way that's not financial and that's still a win that's still success so I think that's yeah, awesome. We got to have these things that, that we have. Yeah. If, if everything needs to make money, it's, it's, it's tough because then that puts a lot of pressure on you. Um, I think that's societal right now, too. Yeah, I mean, like, even yeah. look at like social media situations. Yeah. Like, everyone it's wants like to be an influencer because, <laughs> right. And it's like, well, what if you just put stuff out because you like it with no yeah. intention of making money? Yeah. And I'll be honest, like most of the stuff that I've, you know, like that I've just put out because I like it, uh, 
and then like the feedback and stuff, and then it turns into something way down the road. Like it's 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 still like you know watering the garden, if you will. Um, you're able to 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 get those things together, but um, yeah, trying well, to find that. What you're doing but, is you're watering the plant that is yourself. I think everyone <laughs> should start putting all of your yeah. stuff out, regardless yeah. of. Don't worry about what everyone else thinks. If you like it, even if no one else likes it, great. You like it. That's great. Awesome. Do yeah. it. But more than likely, there's probably tons of people out there that like it just like you do. And then there's also yeah. tons of people who won't. And who cares about either? Just make the stuff to make it. Yeah. I remember whenever I first started getting reviews, like for my first feature, and like we got some positive ones, and then the bad ones started coming. Sure. <laughs> and I was just like, I mean, it really was just like, oh, no. You know? Right. But, uh, but what I realized, like when we were reading them, because like we get this, these ones, and we get these other ones, and you're just like, oh, it looked like they watched two different movies. And that's when I started to realize it was just like, they can't take anything away from me. The movie's done. It's like, what do you, like, how are you going to, I'm like, I'm already started on the next one. Like, I, you, you can't hurt my feelings because I like it. Like, right. it's not, it, I didn't make it for you, clearly. That's fine. Um, but these other people that reviewed it, I made it for them. That's a movie for them. Maybe I'll get you on the next one. Um, but everybody mm-hmm. will have their opinions about your art. And sometimes they're just mad because they're not creating art. They're not doing their art. That's true. So they're trying to take everybody else down with them. You but know? then also, and, art is subjective, so there's always going to be opinions. Yeah. Always. Even like the it masters, won't go away. The, the, the greatest artists in the greatest films. I mean, yeah, there's, I'm sure there's films that you just disagree on. You're like, that's not, I don't know why that's in the top 100 of AFI. I, I, I don't like it. Or, like, I'll be honest, like, yeah. I don't think, I mean, I'm, I respect it, but like, Jackson Pollock work doesn't do anything for me, but someone thinks it's amazing and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's cool. I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. I, I think it's cool because uh, he's I, had I a hell cool of a career, it's so but big. I just right. like how big it is. It's like, that's crazy. Um, totally. But, but like, but yeah, but it doesn't look like people it. just threw, he just threw art on the wall. And like, maybe that's, that's what, what he did, which is cool. Like yeah, there doesn't even yeah. have to be a necessarily a meaning yeah. to it, but like, but we're talking about it right now, and that's what art is about. Art is Absolutely. about con- con- connecting people, and so put your art out so we can start connecting a little bit more. And um, even if that means giving it away for free, it might turn into something else. I gave all all three of my features for free, free right now on YouTube. I'm giving them away because I'm tired of them not being seen, and the distribution deals are over, which will be another episode about. Yeah, they weren't I mean, distribution y- deals; y- they were <laughs> aggregators. But that'll uh, be one. Yeah, that'll yeah, be that'll a be full a whole episode. thing. That'll be a whole thing. But aggregators um, versus distribution. Yeah, uh, but but like, uh, yeah. I mean, there there is part of me where it's like I want to dive into one last small topic. I'll try to keep it short, but I think there there's a big conversation at least in our industry and i would say probably other industries as well so like i don't want to keep sending it towards the film way but i do think everyone needs to find that balance of if you're an artist and you make that art your career or even a side project that makes you some sort of income don't be afraid to like jerry said like there's some stuff like you need to weigh out what makes sense to you to do for free or paid because you might do something for free. Well, I don't know where I'm really going at with this. Like, I just think there's the conversation that like I've heard mixed things where it's like a lot of people are like, no one should ever work for free. I'm like, well, it depends on the situation, but it's like a guitarist doesn't get paid to practice at their house or make a cool song before they go 
on tour or play on, you know, some sort of venue stage or something like that. So it's like, Hey, you might do an open mic for free where they're selling right. tickets for people to come watch me. And I had to pay $20 to perform. And what it gained yeah. you was, you know, confidence or whatever. Like at the yeah, end of the day, live performance in front of a crowd outside. Like it's like there was, there was a, there was a benefit. Sure. Or it was even like bucks. a small focus group. Like you never played yeah. that song before. Do people like it? Do they not? So I think at the end of the day, like everyone can make money off their art, but it doesn't mean you have to. I think you need to find the value mm-hmm. in your art that fits you. And that value doesn't necessarily have to be money. If it does, Agreed. or if it leads that way, great. But that value could just be, this makes me feel good. Or I got something that I've been thinking on out of my head or whatever. Like, or you in like the value to you is you got to sing it in front of a hundred people or 40,000 people. And that makes you feel good. Again, I mean, if you're, I, if you're singing in front of 40,000 people, you're getting paid. But you know what I'm saying? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, Who knows? Maybe uh, it's a, maybe, a, it's, it was it's a nonprofit. Yeah, it was supposed to be for 50 people, and then more people showed up. I don't know. Like, it's, I mean, like when I went to Rain Dance with, with Little Ham, with the second film I, I directed, and uh, like I, I spent like $2,000 to fly over there. They didn't pay for any of that, plus the, the, the cost of the movie, plus you know the, the, the entrance fee to the festival. And, and it's like because I wanted to to go see it in another country with another audience. And so there was value in that. Right. Um, you went yeah, there for like, the experience, the networking, you know, yeah. the adventure, all the things and to see your work play yeah. in a different country. Yeah. But I will and, say and to like be, to do stuff for experience is fine, but you need to be aware of when that line is crossed of, am I doing this for experience or am I being taken advantage of? Yes. And um, you're the only one that can decide when that's happening. Correct. I think. And the Which biggest is, thing is none of these topics Jerry and I have talked about. There's no straight line. It's a gray uh, area and it's different for everyone in every situation and every artist and every art form and every medium. Uh, agreed. Yeah. I think uh, we do a lot of stuff about what people think of us. Like think we'll like how they'll think of us. And uh, I think this is a good thing to end on. But remember when we were, I was a camera operator on that show with you. Um, it was like a, it was like a Dungeons and Dragons kind of show. And the host mm-hmm. told a story of something like, it was just like, you know, what people think of, I think it was about his grandparents and his grandpa yes. fell asleep or something. I love this story. And, uh, and I'm paraphrasing this, but I think it's a good way to end. But basically his grandpa fell asleep at church. Uh, his grandma was like, well, what will people think of us? And he said, he's like, people don't think. And if they do, they're not thinking of you. And I think that like, that's, that stuck in my head from that day from seven years ago or six years ago or however long it was. It was just like, Everybody's living their own thing. You got to do what's right for you. And if this is right for you right now, at this point in your life, with this specific circumstance, then you need to do it. Yeah. And if you if you know in your heart of hearts you're being taken advantage of, then stick up for yourself. Say no, and and you will start finding people that surround you that feel the same way. And uh, Kenny, I'm glad I found you know we we found each other because I think we're very similar in that. That it's just like we will work for free. We will help each other out. And those things, and and you know, and it's not always been about the money. It's like no. sometimes I just want to help somebody else out. I want somebody else's dream to come to life, and if that means you only have a hundred bucks to do it, let's do it, man. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's have fun. Like I, I agree. Yeah, that that is one of the best stories I've heard. Like it's everyone's so important, and you are super important. But yeah, just but just to a you. heads up, 
not everyone's thinking about you and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. You're still valuable. Yeah. You're still important. You yeah. mean the world yeah. to everyone, but yeah, not we're the protagonist in our you. own story. But yeah, most of the time there's also another video on, on Instagram where it's like a guy walks through the middle of this interview and he's like, what is he thinking? And this guy gives like the best like philosophical thing. And he's like, he's like, he's not thinking about you. We're all so complex as humans. Yeah. He didn't even, he doesn't even know what was happening. He was just walking down the street and happened to walk between the two of us that were interviewing. He's clearly got something else going on and we can't fault him for that. I don't know what's going on. He may need to get to the hospital. He may need, there's something in his life. So I think we just need to give each other a little bit more grace. A thousand percent. Give yourself more grace. That's one thing I've learned. Yeah. Don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. That's the hardest part. You're right where you're supposed to be. Yep. The time, if it happens for someone in six days, it could be six months for you. It could be tomorrow. It doesn't matter. When when the time is right, the time is right. Like you might be the most famous photographer in your sixties. Just stick to it. Absolutely. Just make it, make it, make it for you. Then, then when when it comes around, it's going to be really, really rewarding. Uh, and I'm, I think we're both in it for the long haul. Oh yeah. The more and more I've done stuff for myself, it is, it's the most rewarding, especially whether I'm getting paid or not, you know, cause there's, there's short films or passion projects I do where I'm doing them because the idea is fun. The execution of it's fun. Yeah. The challenge is fun. The people that I'm doing it with are some of my favorite humans and I want to do yeah. those things with them. There's no money. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. As long as we're all not making any money, then we're all making tons of money. Right. Let's do it. <laughs> and again, disclaimer, <laughs> I do feel everyone should be, you know, paid for their value, but yeah. There's no there's no linear path to that. There's like no. you need to decide for yourself when it's right to put your foot down, set the precedent, do your free stuff, do your paid stuff, whatever. And that comes at a different point for all of us. Yes, I agree. On a higher note, Mark Ruffalo came out with a statement that says we need more indie films, especially with these union strikes. So to all those filmmakers out there, get your film out there. Go make a movie. Indie film. Just to reiterate, SAG, SAG and WGA will still sign a contract with independent producers. You They're can not signing still, with AMTBT. Short yeah. films and independent films can still yeah. be made right now. Yeah, so this might be a This could be a for, huge boom yeah. in independent film and I mean it'd be kind of cool to see if the tent pulls and to be fair, died down That's as much. what happened last time this happened. That's why you have the Easy Riders. That's why you have all these, mm-hmm. you know, these movies from like the 60s that were very indie. Um, cuz the same thing. It's basically Yeah, SAG can still work. Yep. They just can't they're not working with those studios. Absolutely. That's who they're striking. They're striking against a very specific set of people. But on a non-film aspect to end the show, make your art, share your art, do it for you. Don't worry about the money. When the time is right, if you end up making money on it, great. You'll know and you just need to set your own boundaries. But the most important, make your art, share it, do it for you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Awesome.